the Jewish Divorce Project. Because marriage doesn't always work out and chicken soup doesn't always help. Let's just have fun with this. Um, but I wanted to give you a little bit of background just so you know this wasn't just kind of a weird thing to do, but I, there's really something deliberate about this. Um, 48 years is no joke. I don't understand it in my head. I don't understand how Antidel and Uncle Don are 70 years. Um, that's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so like, okay. Um, so I, so yeah. I want to welcome, okay. So okay. I, yeah. Thanks, couldn't Dad. Resist. I appreciate that. Get me at the top of the show. Awesome. You couldn't risk. You couldn't risk. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I want to welcome <laughs> my parents, Gail and Steve Rauscher, here uh, to the Jewish Divorce Project. It's wonderful having them. Uh, they recently, on July 4th, celebrated 48 years of marriage, which is an amazing thing. Mazel tov. I don't know if there's a particular expression. Should we be saying till 120? Is that something you say for marriage? Why not? Why not? Okay. Why not? Till the uh, end. <laughs> yeah, Shechian is obviously really a good one. Uh, so it's just a, it's an amazing thing. So I was just kind of curious. I wonder if you could just take us back uh, to the very beginning, just briefly, in terms of like how you met and what was it like to decide to get married? You want to do it? Okay, I'll tell part of it and then okay. you can tell part of it. Right. Okay. So um, I was living in, I'll make it short. Do you want me to make it short? Okay. Briefly, so was, we, we got a lot of questions. So, you know. Okay. So, anyway, um, I was living in New York, going to graduate school, and um, a good friend of mine called me and he said that he was going to the movies to with his very good friend, Steve Rauscher, to The Godfather, to see the premiere of The Godfather in New York. And um, I, he asked if I wanted to come along. So I said, sure, uh, you know, I'll meet you there. So um, I met them at a um, subway shop first in, in Manhattan someplace, I don't know. And then we walked over to see the premiere and I, you know, tried all sorts of ways to be very sort of curious about the movie and about how you make a movie because I knew what he was doing and he was sort of cute. So, um, and that, and then we were supposed to, we, the movie finished, everybody was going to their respective homes and Steve had uh, driven down there in his car, Blue Challenger. And I, and he, someone said, how are you getting home? I said, it's okay, I'm gonna walk across the park. Now this, cause I was on the east side and he was, and I had to get to the west side of Manhattan. So walking across the park, it's 11 o'clock at night is not a really good idea, but I did it on purpose. And then uh, he offered to take me and I said, no, 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 no. And then finally I gave in and he took me home. And um, Wait, you did it on purpose? Was, yeah. I mean, I, I, we, you know, it was like really like, first of all, we also have family connections. So um, my family, my mother and father, were very good friends with this family called the Posners. And they were very good friends with the Camholz family. And their son was married to Steve's older sister. And my parents had gone to their wedding because Steve was going to become a 
not my Steve, but their Steve was going to become a doctor. And he was working for my father in my father's lab. So there was this whole family connection so that as soon as um, everybody heard who took me home, uh, it was like the chattering began all over the right. okay. hills of Bayside. And I don't think we knew about all those connections initially. For for you, I had been very good friends with this this other guy, Larry Simon. No relationship to, to Gail, um, because because they sat near each other in oh, high no. school or junior high or high school. Um, it should be fair to say, Mom's maiden name is Simon. That's what you were referring I mean, yeah. to. That's no they relation there. Larry Simon is not Mom's relative or anything like that. Right. Um, and I had been very good friends with him. Uh, his family were members of the same synagogue that I went to, and I think that's where I met him. Um, in any event, um, like I said, I was a I was a, a media major, a film major in college, and the premiere of The Godfather was unique at the time. It was premiering in five theaters on the same day in New York. At the time, in 72, this was unusual. This was unheard of. So, you know, let's let's do, you know, Godfather was a much publicized movie. Let's do it. Let's go. And Larry had said to me the day or two before, do you mind if I bring my friend Gail? And I was very weary. Uh, I mean, I knew about her or had heard about her, um, but I was very weary that this was going to be a setup of some kind. And I did not want that. Um, I don't know why, but I did not want that. And from uh, really the moment we met, I was, the term smitten is an accurate term. Um, Gail was asking questions about media and I was smitten. What were you smitten with? Do you remember what stood out to you? Oh, certainly initially her appearance and then you know, he was very beautiful, is very beautiful. That was um, 48 years ago. 50. <laughs> 50 years ago. Um, and, um, you know, the way she was talking, her intelligence, the questions she was asking about film. It was all, it was all just wonderful. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump right in a little bit to the, to the meaty stuff. Cause I think in all relationships, especially the ones that go towards marriage, there's usually that initial connection or attraction or shared values, but you've made it the long haul. So the big question is how have you navigated the challenges and the conflict? How, Cause that seems to be, you know, the sticky point for some couples, even though the beginning's great, how do you manage the inevitable things that come up? Um, it, it, don't get me wrong. It, it certainly was an accomplishment. We certainly did um, work very hard at it, but divorce was not a common thing among our friends at the time. Um, I, or, or in the family. I mean, there was my sister, who got divorced a you know a few years later? Um, um, a couple of our friends got divorced, but the vast majority, even now, are still in very long-term relationships. Um, it, so, it, do you, do you think it was because it wasn't an option? It didn't come up as something that you can as an option really so you had to be more creative in how to manage the difficult times whereas nowadays it's so much more common that 
people maybe run to it a little bit sooner? Well, I think, first of all, Steve and I are not risk takers, okay? Um, and um, although we married when we were very young, basically. Mm. I mean, we married when we were, I, I wasn't <clears throat> even 22, 22 and a half. yet. Right. Yes, you were. I was 22. So, 22 and a half. Yeah. So, we were, but we were very young. We mm. made the decision, I think, when we were very young. Um, <coughs> and um, there was this really, you know, big push. I mean, and for undergraduate, I went to Queens College, the City University of New York, and I was an elementary ed teacher. In that track, every girl came in every week with a diamond ring. And the diamond ring was shown around the entire class. I'm not kidding. It was during the Vietnam War. It was during the whole, um, so there was a time period too that you have to take into account. But we were we were young, we weren't risk takers. And even look, Steve and I both know this that the night the night after we got married, so we had this big Jewish wedding. It's really great and everything like that. We get we leave my parents' house because that's where I was living at the time. And um, we get to the hotel room and I start to cry. And I cried for two days because all of a sudden it hit me that this thing was permanent. This was in Las Vegas, by the way. Okay. We honeymooned in Las Vegas. You know, I mean, really, really? I mean, didn't you realize that before? But it it really hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was... Um, it took me a couple of days, and I do. I rallied, and I was fine after that. Clearly, forty-eight years later, but um, you know, that's what happened. But in ter- but risk takers, we had opportunities to go to um, Australia or New Zealand at one point. Mm-hmm. We didn't go because I was afraid I wasn't going to get kosher meat there. Yeah. Then we could have. I mean, it's crazy things, you know. Yeah. So you could see where we're just not risk takers. So um, even later on, and and there were lots of times when we talked about divorce or we were really angry, me more so than Steve, Mm -hmm. um, I was like, I'm out of here. But there was no out of here to go. It was, where were we gonna go? We didn't have any, first of all, we didn't have any money. So what were we going to split? Um, and eventually we, you know, we had a family, whether we had one kid or then four kids, we had a family. And I remember the one thing dad said to me once was he was going to really fight me for custody. And I was like, no way is that going to happen. So, um, and the couple of times, and sometimes, you know, I would be the one to leave the room and go sleep in another room. Not him. <laughs> he never did. He stayed put on his side of the bed because that's who, you know, he is. Some, someone is. said to me, someone told me, you you never leave the bed. You, you always make sure you get back into the bed. I honestly don't remember who told me that. Um, I don't, I don't think it was my parents. My father certainly would never have talked about it. Um, I honestly don't know who said it. 
Maybe it was a counselor. But we but we came from we, very different yeah. different times too. I don't know. Maybe, but I account for some of it from the period of time that we came from, which was one in which you did not divorce easily. It wasn't something you just walked out of. You were you had to work through whatever it was, and um, yeah. and it was you know. Yeah, and also, I mean, it, let's let's not gloss over it. We we love each other, and and even through the fighting, and we recognized the tension and what was causing it, we still loved each other. There wasn't anything, anything that I remember that I, that I uh, didn't like, that I hated. Um, there were circumstances, there were events. It's not like I was being stopped from doing anything that I wanted. I, you know, certainly became what I wanted to become. None of it was challenged. None of it was belittled. Um, you know, mom was a, a fully supportive partner with me so it's it's not like I couldn't do anything the decisions we made we made mutually um, I had a chance to go out to Long Beach I think it was in California to interview um, and I would have gotten the job but it's it's Long Beach you know, is awesome hmm? Long Beach is awesome what did I know of Long Beach then? Um, but yeah, it was a university. It was, it was, a, I think it was a UCLA branch. And I had a, a friend that I had met at a conference um, and we spoke and he invited me to come out. Um, and ultimately it was, you know, we're going to leave all the family back on the East coast. And how can we do that? Um, so we, we didn't, you know, when we stayed that, that was probably the one opportunity I regret more than the others. I can't say it's a huge regret, but I regret that more than the others, that we didn't take that opportunity. Huh. But, you know, I had 45 years at one place. Um, and that in and of itself is a... It's an accomplishment. Yeah. It's a real accomplishment. Although, believe it or not, I'm not the most, I was not the most senior faculty member there at the time <laughs> that I retired. Say la vie, I guess. People that were there longer. Is there, uh, is there some type of secret to a long-lasting marriage? I wish I could say there was one thing that, or a list of things I could, I, we could publish, we could prescribe to people, but it's, it's personality. It's how you relate to the other person. It's how you adapt to it. Um, you know, we, we respect, we trust, we listen, uh, we fight, we disagree, we, we share most of our feelings, um, I, I, but it's, it's nothing unique. It's nothing that hasn't been said before. It's how you adapt to it. Right. But I also have to say that, um, I mean, for whatever, for lots of different reasons, I mean, I went, I went to therapy for a long time. Okay. Um, and dad was not willing to go you know, we tried some marital counseling from time to time, but it never really, um, he's, he's not comfortable sharing. You know, he talks about sharing his feelings, but he's not. Um, you know, he'll, he'll stay silent. 
um, and he won't really say what he's thinking or or what he really feels. And, you know, I think that was a detriment to our marriage. Yeah, that was something that was wrong for our marriage. Um, and the inability to really share what we felt, um, um, the inability to be um, really truthful with one another. Not that we lied to each other, but that was, but it's like- Didn't really talk about our feelings. And then we didn't really, um, and what we didn't really do was really plan. We let life happen to us. Yeah. And I think maybe that's the difference between people now and at least for us was that we sort of let life come rolling over us, whatever that was. And then we adjusted to the moment. We adjusted to the occasion. We adjusted to the time. Um, and, it, you know, there were lots of, you know, rocky parts along the way, but then there were really smooth parts along the way. So, um, and there wasn't the idea that, that I, I, you know, I, I, we just didn't think about divorce as a, as a common, as a necessary thread in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, and it's, and I tell, I say this quite honestly, we did, we, we would talk about it or we would, you know, um, scream about it. And then, you know, I would think about how dad was really, um, you know, crazy about my family with Uncle Don. He had this great relationship. He didn't have a great relationship with his own family. So he was very close to our, my side of the family. Mm -hmm. And that was going to be, oh my God, what were we going to do with that? How is this going to work? So there were things like that that made it uncomfortable. And then it was, what about the kids? Well, I think that also gave us extra things to think about and right. consider. And not I, don't, I don't know if I'd say it made it uncomfortable, but it, it gave us additional motivation, I think, to try and stick it out. Right. I mean, and I eventually learned, you know, after many years, I mean, I, we could see it now, now that all of you are out of the house and we're, and we're sort of in this other part of our lives that... You know, I learned um, after one big calamity that we had that um, I needed, I wasn't treating um, dad, I wasn't responding to him in a way that made it easy for him to be responsive. That I was really being um, very hard on him and um, it made it really hard for him then to be honest and truthful with me because it, it was it, it it was scary to him. It was uncomfortable for him. So it 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 took me a while, and he then has responded in kind to me. So to me, changing my behavior in that respect, there's been a he has come around differently. And so not that we needed, not that we went to therapy together, but in a sense, what I learned um, and was then able to to put into place made an impact on him. 
And cause it was my, because it, it was what I was doing that was, you know, not good for our relationship. So, um, and he realized the importance. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Of responding in yeah. kind. I'm repeating myself again, yeah. but. No, but I, it's very, it's interesting that you bring this up because so much of the conversation that I've been a part of in terms of the dating scene and particularly, you know, the divorce dating scene and whatnot, you know, revolves around people knowing themselves to be able to share of themselves. Uh, and this bringing up of how that's so kind of important so that you can communicate and respond to each other in healthy ways, right? Mm -hmm. And realizing what you're bringing to the table in that way uh, is actually very much part of the conversation now. Everyone talks about knowing your love languages and knowing your attachment styles, right? And knowing how you fight uh, and all that stuff, right? And being very aware of that so that you realize how much of how much of the space you actually take up in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it. I say this saying: it takes two to tango, but it takes one to change the music or the song. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that some people get caught up in this. Well, he's like, I think it's great because you could have easily gotten caught up in he's not coming and he's not doing his part, and instead you said, "Well, this is my part. I'm going to own my shit." And I'm going to do what I can to at least change my behavior. And as you see, our behaviors are so interactive that it, it changed. It had an influence. Right. I think that's beautiful. And from what I heard you say, the two things that stood out to me is, is that for, as that part of taking responsibility for your for the things that you might be doing that are not so effective. And that second part, which I think is really interesting, is being more easygoing of letting go of the plans and the hopes and the way that things have to be. And like you said, just letting life happen to you mm. and, and being more okay with that. Sometimes I think we get stuck in, well, it was supposed to be this way or it has to be this way. Right. And it's hard to let go of that. But that, took, that takes, took a long time because, yeah. and I think it was more complicated when there were children. Yeah. Because then we brought to it a whole different dimension. I'm um, curious, how long did it take to learn that lesson of what you were bringing to the interaction, right? And how you could change that? How about like 47 about, and a half years? <laughs> <laughs> I'd say about 44 years. Wow. So to that end, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice, what would be... I? For each of you, the big advice you would give yourself in regards to marriage. Hmm. Uh, you know, for me, I suppose my biggest uh, mistake has been not being open and honest, um, and not just with Gail, but with other people as well. Um, even now, there are things that I, I don't tell friends, I don't tell family that I just you know, feel or see or react to. Um, when we did go into counseling, it probably would have been a lot better if I had been more open uh, and yet and less deflecting. Um, you know, I, I can certainly tell Sheva, that you're an excellent counselor. By the way, those are wonderful African drums that you have hanging behind you. Um, I gathering drums, thank you. And I would, but that's what I would do, right? I would, I would deflect by talking about anything other than what I was there for. Um, 
and I and I sort of wish I wasn't that way. It might have helped me. Um, it might have helped me feel better. It certainly might have helped our relationship. It might have helped me professionally. You know. Yeah, I have a male client who's going through a divorce, and this week he said, "There's a whole ceilings wheel. Where the hell has that been?" And <laughs> I thought it was great. I was like, "Where the hell has that been?" Right. <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, How about you, Gail? What's the advice you would give yourself? I would give myself, it, it's wrapped up in my own, you know, it's, it's not just wrapped up in the marriage. It's really, I, I would have thought differently about myself and my life. You know, we were so, um, at least within my generation at that time, and where I was, um, the idea was you got married and you started a family, you know, within a couple of years. And then you, I don't know, you moved out to Long Island and you lived happily ever after or something like that. I'm not really sure. Um, I don't think anyone's ever associated happy ever after with Long Island. I'm just saying that as someone who went to college on Long Island. I mean, I envy your generation. I really do. Because I think your generation allows you to grow up first if you do it right. And you see yourself as an individual with um, desires and hopes that you would like to accomplish for yourself. So if I could go back in time, I would have given myself more time. And it has nothing to do with Steve so much as I would have given myself some time. I would have allowed myself to um, develop myself in a career and um, something that I really love doing. I would really, I would have done that. And I think that would have made all the difference in a marriage. I still would have wanted to marry Steve. I still would have, would have wanted to be here. I still would have wanted to have the children that I have. But I think I would have been a different, a, a more satisfied person, a more a person who could really um, feel accomplished. And not all, always feeling like they never really got there. They never really got there, you know, um, and that I dropped the ball. Oh. So from that perspective, that's where I would change it. Oh. I think that it would have made all the difference. It's just that um, that wasn't the way I was raised. And not so much that wasn't the way I was raised. It was the times in which we lived. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you. I mean... My mother, when she talked about sex with me, couldn't even talk about it with me. Oh. You know, she talked about red lights and green lights, you know, and that you might go out with somebody, but you had to know when you were making out when the green light was on, that was okay. But then there would be a red light you would see. What's the red light? I don't know what the red light is. 
Is the red uh, light your internal lights or things that they would do that would no, do like what society calls them? Or are you actually right. in a car and there's red lights? <laughs> <laughs> no, not in the car. I'm in a car, but I'm not my car. You know, on my mother's couch in her living room. You know. That sounds like a red light to me, knowing Saba and stuff. That sounds like a real red light to me. I don't know about you, but I could see that one a mile away. Right. Well, not only that, but Poppy was downstairs too. (laughs) He was he was living in the basement at the time. So we were part of a very different generation. And look, even even Dad, the night he proposed, we had had this long discussion. Um, I remember the night before, and. you know, I was thinking there was a lot of pressure even coming from my family, like, what is this relationship going to be about? You know, what's happening here? Plus the fact everybody in town knew who seven we were. Months. This was all of seven right. months long. Um, but it was like he was going to move out to his own apartment with a bunch of friends. <laughs> and yeah. he, to just to show you, it wasn't just me. It was, it was him, too, Steve as well. And I put a lot of pressure on, you know, what, well, if you move into your own apartment, well, what does that mean for me? And what am I supposed to do? So the next night he came over and we were talking and he was proposing. And already the, that night after we had gotten off the phone the night before, I decided I was going to Israel for a year and I was just going to disappear for a year. That's it. That's what I was going to do. And then he came over and he asked me to marry him. I didn't even have the ring yet. I right. Brought you that garnet. He uh, went in and bought my bought me a piece of jewelry and uh, proposed. And I said no. <laughs> I said no. Which, by the way, you don't rehearse for. I didn't know the response <laughs> to that. So, um, oh well. You know, and it wasn't exactly like you guys, you think of places to go to have this intimate moment when you get engaged and when you propose marriage or propose whatever. We didn't, we did it in the bedroom, my bedroom at my parents' house because I had moved back home. My It was Friday night, everybody was downstairs. Right. And uh, it was that. like, it. it was like, how do I go downstairs now? Yeah. You know, I mean, it was. Oof. So then Did what happened? Did you know you were going to do that, Dad? I, I, you know, I quickly, I, I thought about it, I think, for about five minutes. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Or something, you know, something like that. You I said, agreed can you to ask it. me again? Oh, can I? Oh, okay. Thank you. I didn't remember that. Okay. And he did. And then, and we were engaged, but. So it was a short-lived no. Right. Why do you need him to ask you again? Right. Why do you need him to ask you again? She was going to do a redo. Because she, mom she, said no. I realized that. but Because she wanted to do it okay. properly. Okay. So right. I thought there was something wrong with the you question initially answer. is what she wants. Okay, fine. Right. But I felt bad. He looked so hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pity, yes. <laughs> well, no. Uh-oh. This is not what this is about. <laughs> There have been no, worse pity things to go on. The engagement, right. <laughs> celebrating forty-eight years. <laughs> right. Do you, so, do you think, um, as you think about forty-eight years of marriage, what's been the best advice you've gotten about marriage, and what's been the worst advice you've gotten about marriage? I mean, we saw that question, and 
you know, I think it was understanding from our friends and to a degree, our family, that fighting is normal, that tensions are normal, and you can get beyond it, you can get past it, it doesn't mean you have to take the fight and split because of it. I think that was probably, certainly among the best examples, the best advice, would you say? Um, I can tell you that, um, see, I don't, I don't remember the advice. I remember the, probably the best advice was no advice. Mm. Okay. Because it really, um, influences you in a way in which you then aren't, you're not sure if you're being true to yourself or not. So for example, I mean, I, I never, even during some of the most difficult times and that we had in our relationship and in our family life and whatever it is, and with the therapist that I, that I went to, there was never any, this is what you should do. There was never any encouraging. It was sort of listen to what you're saying and think about what you're saying. And um, what do you want to do? What makes sense for you? And I think that was, um, for me, what um, kept us mm together because then I had to do the thinking for myself. I couldn't, I wasn't going to depend upon what somebody else thought, you know, I really think you should, you know, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't like that. I didn't, or, um, you know, don't go to bed angry. I don't know whether that's true or not. Mm. I, I think that's dumb. That means, you know, you, you have to, you're going to be angry. That's it. Anger is a natural part, normal part of a relationship. And you may not talk to each other for a couple of days. And I think we... We ever did that. Yes, we did. A couple of days. days. Ask Noam, he'll tell you. Yeah, I remember those tense moments. Thanks. Okay, We'll bring that up in another session about Noam's childhood trauma. (laughs) I think think the worst advice, and I, I honestly don't remember who gave it to us. I'm happy to blame a therapist or a counselor, but... Um, I think the worst advice was when you're going to have a fight, fight naked. And oh, that just, was at the very beginning. Was that the very beginning? And that was just. That I sounds think. very 70-ish. It does. It sounds like it's supposed <laughs> to. I don't think they're saying that anymore. No, it sounds like it's supposed <laughs> to easily lead to make up sex. Stupid. Right. Yeah. Well, I think right. it's supposed to show your vulnerability and right. to really be in a vulnerable state. Right. So you, right. you know, you see each other for drip bare. Right. right. That's sort right. of thing. I think we've I think we've nixed that one. We've moved on to right. African drum circles. All right. I mean, I think oh. that the other piece was to recognize that you may be really angry and really want to walk out that door, but give yourself time. There are low, really low points in a marriage. You think so? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> there are really low points in a marriage. Um, you know, and I think, and you're at that time, you're like, you do think about why am I here? What am I doing here? Maybe I should change, make a change, pull out, whatever. Um, 
but you have to give yourself time to sort of um, get through that. And I think, unless it's something really terrible, I suppose, um, then there are times when there's real high points, you know, where, you know, you're really rewarded by um, the feelings that you have for each other at those, at those times. And the, um, you know, and, and how you, it, you wouldn't want to end that relationship. You wouldn't want to walk away from that relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's worth sort of yeah. staying put. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, absolutely. and keep trying. So, I mean, we did, I, you know, at this point, you know, I know I've heard of couples who get divorced at this point in their lives and it's like, why? <laughs> you know, I suppose unless you're really unhappy, but. Um, well, so let me ask this question because I feel like, and we're going to wrap up soon, but let me also just say that part of the conversation that I've heard, and I feel like the generational difference is that it's important to stay together, you know, kind of for the sake of the family. Right, that sort of thing, right? And that's certainly, I think, one of the messages that you both are sending us, um, that there's a lot more involved in divorce than just kind of your own personal interests. And yet, in the divorce community, you hear much more about kind of this idea of personal and individual fulfillment in life, regardless of your marriage. And so if that is something that you need to jettison from in order to live your life as fully as possible, right? Then that should be a step that you take. And a marriage is just a marriage and a family can still be a family in divorce. And so, you know, I I find it to be a a balancing of the, you know, the family is the best, most important thing that we need to keep together versus, you know, my own individual life is sacred. It needs to be propelled as far as I can make it. But that's also the respect you have for each other. That's also, you know, born out of that. I mean, if, you know, it's also being able to say to the other person, I, th- I think it is, what, what is it that you would like to do? What is it that would make you happy on a personal level? I'm not saying it's that easy. It sounds ridiculous, my saying it probably this way, but I think it's giving that person space also to do what they want to do to make it possible for them. For example, I see in uh, marriages of this generation where the women have become much more their their own people. You know, you have your own careers, you go Mm -hmm. to school, whatever it is. And there's much more of a sharing of parental responsibilities if you have children. There's much more of the women really saying, unlike for me, but the women saying now, look, I'm going out for, um, I have to go out to the West Coast for a meeting for three days. What are you going to do? Or what are we going to do? How are we going to arrange this? And I think maybe this doesn't answer you really, Noam. I I don't really know. It does, no. I think you're speaking to it, please. But I I think there's a real respect for that in the marriages that I've seen Mm-hmm. succeed it's not always easy it's very hard but it means that the other partner really has to step up 
and really sort of, and sometimes that person is gonna have 70% of the responsibility and you'll only have 30, but it's giving that person the space to do it, to listen to that, what that person wants. And if you, and then figuring out what it is that you want together and what is it that you want separately and how can you get there? And I, I do wish we had done that. Dad and I had done that much better. Mm-hmm. I really do. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we didn't have the daycare options. We didn't, I mean, there were lots of things that just weren't out there for us, but there was also this sort of like idea that, you know, he couldn't get you dressed for shul. Only I could get you dressed for shul. And if he brought you, and if he brought you to shul because I was working and you came in stripes and, and polka dots, um, or an old ratty pair of sneakers, I would be, you know, that's not, it's not the way you do things. Right. It's just not the way you do things and shouldn't be. So for us, I wish we had done that. Done I more really that. Yeah. wish we had. We did, we did some of that, but yeah, I wish we had done more. We had really done more. Huh. Sheva, do you have any more questions? Yeah, I think that what, what you, you said about you're so confused about why people get divorced at this stage of the game. And what I what I noticed is I think people get divorced at this stage of the game, one, because finally divorce is becoming more acceptable and they're so tired of each other. They just lived in their own ways with these very uh-huh. negative patterns and they're just done. And it sounds like the two of you, even though you've had your ups and downs, have really thought about ways to change and ways to listen and ways to improve. So it's not like you've been living in the same patterns for the last 48 years. You've been really adopting and changing and growing with it. And so I think you can look back and say, you've invested in those in the 48 years rather than you've just let it happen or made it work to the best until you hit your end and you couldn't take it anymore. Right. I mean, it's, you know, so my, it's, it's a right. joke. It, goes along with that. I'm sure you've sure. heard it. That, that, Is the uh, anniversary joke? The judge approaches this married couple and said, you know, this is Rosenblum, why after however many years have you, are you finally getting divorced? She says, why? Enough is enough, you know. It, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear I, I yeah no I I hear you and I I um yeah and I understand that because I've heard that from other couples I was it was I it was yeah I've heard that from some people so, so my question is how are you going to celebrate 50 what's what's on the agenda for the big celebration and getting there is pretty important <laughs> yeah I don't know. We'll, we'll hopefully we'll be in a new house by then. Um, you know, the the apartment in Jersey is an interim step, so hopefully we'll be in we'll be in a new in a new or new place by then. Another new place by then, um, and that move should be a lot easier. You know, again, it, hopefully we'll have. I mean, 50, again, fifty is a number. Fifty is a milestone. 
Is it is it any more significant a milestone than 48, 49 or 51? Sure. You know, no, it's, a, it's an artificial milestone. Um, but, you know, we'd like to have everybody around. It would be very nice to have everybody from the, you know, four or three different parts of the country and the kids and grandkids and God willing, whichever older relatives are available, you know, um, we'd like to have them all available for whatever that milestone number is. That would certainly be nice. It really would. Yeah. What about you, Bob? Any, any thoughts about that? Any what? Any thoughts about 50th? The 50th wedding anniversary. Yeah, no, I, I, we talk about it, but I think we, um, you know, I saw some people who I know who just went to Tuscany sure. um, and rented a place in Tuscany, but I think we'd like to be with other people. I don't know whether we'd want to just be by ourselves. Yeah. See, yeah. that's, that's an interesting, yeah. I don't know whether we just want to be by ourselves. Mm. And it's also, there's also, it's, do we want to be by ourselves? Um, do there's also this, like, you know, when you're retired, it's, it's a little different because you're always looking at your bottom line, you know, what do you, what do you, what do you have? And so there's still this sort of push and pull. Well, you know, what do we buy for a house if we also want to do traveling and do all that? So there's still sort of that same struggling that you had, you know, during your lifetime. So we talked about, you know, taking everybody to Israel um and going and taking the whole family to israel but telling everybody that when they're in israel they get to do what they want to do sure i we will propose certain nights or days that we'd like us all to be together yeah. but um i'm knowing my four kids and their spouses uh they are very independent mm. and um they always don't agree amongst themselves and so um, I'd, we'd have to respect that. We're not renting a van and going around the country in a van together. <laughs> no way. Not the Partridge family. So you bring up kids, which is really awesome because let's, why don't we end on that note? Kids are always a wonderful thing to talk about. You, we, uh, there are four kids. I'm one of four. Who's your favorite? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> I've got this on a recording that'll last forever. Let's just get it out of the way now. Yeah. <laughs> I told you a long time ago, Noam, you are my favorite. There it Noam. is, right there. Undeniable <laughs> folks said in front of. Now she is my witness. favorite. What? I'm sorry. What did you just say? What did you follow it up what with? What mom has been telling you, you are, you are our favorite Noam. No, that's not the actual complete answer. Actually, you can't qualify it in that way. You know, I think your kids sometimes when, as they get older like this, sometimes when it's not a matter of being your favorite, but it's the one that you recognize you need to pay more attention to. You need to be more, um, to be more caring. I'm not thinking, compassionate to. Um, and you need to be able to say, this is the person that needs me most now. Um, it's not that you are the most favorite, mm -hmm. but it's hearing you and knowing that you're the person that needs oh. us most now and um, trying to balance that with everybody else too. So. 
thanks for taking a really silly question and giving it a really serious answer. I appreciate that, Mom. Okay. I, really I think gnomers really need some validation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but do you have this a whole thing is about. Trevor, do you, have a, do you have a final question? My, my final was the, was the anniversary, and oh, I think you had okay. a great point with the, it's just a milestone, it's just a number. And every year, every moment, in a way, is a cause for celebration. And thanks for sharing your story. The, I think you have a lot of good points of how to make it work for so long and didn't come with a whitewashed version of, oh, everything was great or easy. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, really putting on the table the challenges that you had and being really honest about them. Really helpful, I think, for people to hear that. Thank Agreed. you. People are well, people who hear this when you put this out, people are, are welcome to email us their questions and comments. <laughs> I don't think you want that. <laughs> Why don't you file them uh, or filter them through us first to begin <laughs> with? And then we'll, we'll let you know if there's anything appropriate you want to. Oh my God. But that reminds us, folks. Uh, I, and let me say thank you to my parents, uh, mom, dad, Gail, Steve. Uh, I, I can't say thank you enough. Uh, really, I love you. Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you very, very much. We love you too. Yeah, this this was, we've really been honored that you, that you asked us. Oh, it's an honor for me. It's an honor more, for us. More fun than I thought it would be. Thank you. Well, good to know. Okay. Um, so, uh, no, so, their expectations of you are, are here. <laughs> no, that's, that's and right. they can only go up from there. This is where they expect you right. to be at. It's under, under promise and over deliver. That's what it's got to exactly. be. Um, so, with that in mind, in terms of reaching out, friends, you know, you can reach out to us at the Jewish Divorce Project at gmail.com. And you can also find us at www.thejewishdivorceproject.com. And you can also find us on social media, right, Sheva? That's right. We are on Facebook and on Instagram under the Jewish Divorce Project and on most uh, podcast outlets. Spotify, so, iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Google. Look for us. Find us. Yeah. Podbean. Send us your questions Podbean, and right. any topics you'd like us to address. Thank okay. you, Mom and Dad. It's been wonderful. Thank you, Sheva. Thank you, Noah. Thank you. It's nice right. to meet you. Take care. Have Be a great well. day. Stay Ooh. safe. Bye -bye. All right. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.